It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on into Locked On Cougars. I'm Jay Catch, your host here on this daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. A lot to cover on a Monday edition of the show. Thanks for joining me. Hope you guys all had a great weekend. BYU basketball did not have a good weekend. Uh, they split their games uh, in West Coast Conference play on the road, getting blown out at San Francisco. We'll recap that game and some of the lessons learned in the first segment of that game. Second segment, we'll catch you up on former Cougars and the pros. We do have one former BYU football player headed to the Super Bowl. Probably should have had another. We'll talk about that in the second segment. And of course, in the final segment, we'll catch up on everything else going on with the BYU sports teams in Provo with Quick Hits. Thanks again for joining me on this Monday edition of the show. Just a reminder for you guys, with your smart speakers, you can play this podcast real easy. All you have to do is tell it your Google Home, your Alexa, whatever you got. Say, play podcast Locked on Cougars, and you'll have this podcast right there for you. All right, without further ado, let's get going. This is Locked on Cougars for January 21st, 2019. All right, BYU basketball beaten at San Francisco. Their first loss at War Memorial Gym on the hill there in San Francisco. The Dons had never beaten BYU at home since BYU joined the West Coast Conference uh, in 2012, I believe was the first year, and it was not even close. Uh, 16-0 run in the middle of the first half. BYU went scoreless for nearly seven minutes, if not more than seven minutes. It was right around that seven-minute mark that they could not get a basket, couldn't get points, and San Francisco just ran away at that point. BYU tried to battle back in the second half, but every time they seemed to get within single digits, well, no, every time they did get within single digits, San Francisco responded with a run of their own to push the lead back to double digits. Ends up, BYU loses, and it was not close. It was just, it was a beatdown. San Francisco wins 82-63 to was the final. Yoli Child scored in double digits uh, for the 27th time to lead BYU with 25 points. He added four rebounds and one steal. The problem was only six of those points came in the first half. He took some of the blame in the postgame, saying I couldn't be that bad offensively as I was in the first half. And I, I get him taking the blame for that. But still, he's got other teammates on that team that should have helped him out. A 16-0 run to make it 29-15 with 8-11 to go in the first half. Ryland Bergerson's free throw ended that drought. And Man, it, it, it's just after that, you felt like, okay, this game is already tipping and we're not even to halftime. Uh, second half, BYU, like I said, tried to battle back, got to single digits multiple times, but every time San Francisco, they were just ready to go and they pushed that lead back to double digits, made it a no-doubter. A big win for the Dons. Uh, they remain a big player in the West Coast Conference this year. Frankie Ferrari led them in their win with 21 points and 7 assists. I thought he was Stellar, a great player who's got a great name to boot. Frankie Ferrari, come on, you can't get a better name than that. And BYU just struggled plain and simple. And it's just, it was a game that you feel like, okay, BYU is making some progress. They go to Pepperdine, they win that game, and you feel like, okay, 
this is a team that's starting to round into form, but it's uh, two steps forward, one step back almost, it feels like, because that loss at San Francisco, I think, really set BYU back some. Another road loss for the Cougars. They give up 80-plus points once again on the road, and just a tough, tough go of things. BYU shot 44.2% for the game. I believe it was just 35% in the first half. San Francisco shot 65% in the first half. So... Hats off to San Francisco. That was a long time coming, like I said. Their first home win over BYU since the Cougars joined the West Coast Conference. And you could tell they were motivated to get this win. They were motivated to stay alive in the West Coast race, West Coast Conference race. And BYU, they're sitting respectable 4-2 and two right now after the loss to San Francisco. But it still just doesn't look great. BYU's got a big-time game this coming Thursday when they host St. Mary's. Uh, it's Thursday night, a 9 o'clock Mountain Time start. It'll be televised on ESPN2. Uh, so BYU has an opportunity to recapture some uh, form with a win over St. Mary's, hopefully on Thursday night. The problem is, though, St. Mary's absolutely pummeled BYU in Moraga and should come into Provo expecting to do more of the same. Uh, St. Mary's has been a bugaboo for BYU for quite a while now. Uh, they just seem to struggle with what Randy Bennett has. And even without some of his stalwarts that he's had over the last couple of years, they took care of business in Moraga earlier on. I believe it was the second game of West Coast Conference conference play for BYU. So currently BYU two losses in West Coast Conference play and both of them to to contenders in the conference at St. Mary's and at San Francisco. Can they recapture some some good mojo with a win over St. Mary's? Sure, but it just looks like BYU is not a good road team, and they struggle, plain and simple. We've we've seen them in road losses this year. They just seem to lose some momentum, and all of a sudden it just is an avalanche coming at them, and they can't stop it, plain and simple. Uh, Dave Rose, after the game, a quote says, It was a tough night for our guys. They were just better. It was a tough night all the way around. The most important thing now is to get home and have the guys continue to progress and believe in themselves. There is a lot of ball to play, and I think this team has real potential. Well, I'm glad Dave Rose acknowledged the fact that San Francisco was a better team because they plain and simple beat BYU at their own game. They they beat them every which way you could imagine. And Dave Rose said, yeah, now it's time for them to go home get some momentum but the real potential comment for me uh, makes me wonder because we've seen BYU play well in spurts Uh, the Pepperdine game we all wondered about getting that third score for BYU well that game and ended up being Gavin Baxter in this game uh, after his career high for TJ Haas against Pepperdine he comes out with 12 points so it just it was. It, it's. It's like if one thing goes wrong for BYU, if not, if one thing doesn't go wrong for BYU, excuse me, another thing does. So there's just no consistency with this team right now, and that's the tough part about it. BYU fans, I think a lot of them have checked out on this team, and I can understand that. Uh, to be honest with you, the women's basketball team is worth paying more attention to than the men's team. Let's be real. They're undefeated in West Coast Conference play. They came back once again to win another game. They're now, I believe, eight and zero in West. Coast Conference play. Maria Albiero had a career game to help Portland come from uh, to help BYU come from behind and beat Portland 79 to 71. That was on Saturday afternoon. Uh, she led the team with 16 points. Her career high added two rebounds and one steal. Paisley Johnson was her steady self, 15 points, three assists, three steals, and two rebounds. So BYU. 
in terms of the basketball teams, yeah, the women's team right now is the one that should be getting all the headlines, in my opinion. They're undefeated in West Coast Conference play. They've got a massive, massive win over nationally ranked Gonzaga. I think they'll start entering the national conversation a little bit as they continue this run. Uh, they're going to be at San Diego on Saturday, January 26th, so this coming Saturday. Game is scheduled for 3 o'clock Mountain Time. will be televised on the W.TV. But for everything that the men's basketball team is struggling with, seemingly with the expectations coming into the season, it almost feels like the women's team is the one that should be getting the headlines because the women's team was almost thought of as an afterthought, just a team that, okay, they'll have an okay season. We'll see. I told you about the media members that had lunch on uh, BYU over under 11 and a half wins on the season. Well, they have crushed that and they are living up to every expectation and then some. They've overcome everybody's thoughts on what this team could be. So uh, BYU basketball on the men's side has got to figure things out. They've got to find some consistency. I know it's frustrating to Dave Rose and his coaching staff because they want nothing more than to see their team succeed. But for the time being, it's just not a good look for them to go on the road and continue to get beat. They had the one road win over Pepperdine. You felt like, okay, they did some good things here at a place they've traditionally struggled to win at. They get a win there, but then they go to San Francisco where they've never lost and get absolutely blitzed off the floor. So we'll see what happens with the men's team this week with St. Mary's coming in. A big opportunity to regain some mojo, and hopefully they can do it. All right, there you go. Some of my thoughts on BYU basketball. They just need to get things rolling, and they need to find some consistency. That third score may not be a consistent thing, but you need to get consistent nights out of TJ Haas and Yoli Childs, play some consistent defense, and go from there. That's a start at the very minimum. All right, there you go. Some of my thoughts once again on BYU basketball. Hats off to the women's basketball team. Another big time win. They can remain undefeated in West Coast Conference play. They're atop the conference race right now and just absolutely impressing with everything they do. All right, we'll step aside here. We'll come back, talk a little bit about former Cougars and the pros, the AFC and NFC championship games yesterday. Some heartbreaking losses for two teams that featured BYU alums and one that makes his third straight Super Bowl appearance in Kyle Van Noy. We'll talk about that next right here on Locked on Cougars. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Welcome back to Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Of course, the NFL has the Super Bowl matchup set on Sunday, February 3rd. It will be the Los Angeles Rams taking on the New England Patriots in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, some wild games yesterday, and of course, there were BYU alums featured on three of the four teams. It seemed like at one point we would have BYU alums on both sides of the Super Bowl matchup, but as it turns out, we've only got one. Uh, the New England Patriots advance with an overtime win, 37-31, to as they take down the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, 
in a big big opportunity for the Chiefs here. They had a interception late in the game that seemingly would have ended the game and allowed them to advance to the Super Bowl for the first time in 49 years. Give BYU alum Andy Reid as a head coach his second Super Bowl trip. Also Daniel Sorensen who had an absolutely stellar game in that loss. Also an opportunity to go but as it is Kyle Van Noy gets his third straight trip to the Super Bowl with the New England Patriots and a big Big hat tip of the cap does need to go to Kyle Van Noy. He played extremely well, especially in the first half of that game. He led the Patriots with 10 total tackles, eight of them solo. He had two first half sacks, uh, two QB hits, just absolutely incredible. And he was really only outdone by Daniel Sorensen's 14 total tackles, 11 of them solo in the losing effort for Kansas City. Daniel Sorensen had an interception, also had a pass breakup and a massive stop on a four down and one on Rex Burkhead that seemed to um, shift the momentum to the Chiefs, especially on defense. Um, unfortunate that D Ford, uh, the defensive end slash linebacker, was lined up offsides on another interception. It would have been the third interception of the day for Tom Brady, but he lines up offsides and negates the turnover and Kansas City, man, heartbreaking fashion. They lose. New England gets their third straight trip to the Super Bowl. Uh, Tom Brady goes to his ninth Super Bowl. But cool to see Kyle Van Noy making his third trip to the Super Bowl. And hats off to him. He was a star in this game. The next closest defender on the Patriots only had three tackles in Devin McCourty and Landon Roberts. So just a truly stellar performance from Kyle Van Noy. You can tell that the Patriots really like his ability both in space and also rushing the passer and they're using him to great effect. Uh, A lot of people kind of panned his trade from the Detroit Lions uh, four years ago I believe now. But man... Does it look stellar in hindsight what Bill Belichick has done in reviving Kyle Van Noy's career? Uh, so hats off to the New England Patriots and also Kyle Van Noy, that third straight Super Bowl visit, 37-31 to 31 overtime winners over the Kansas City Chiefs. In the other game, the Los Angeles Rams beat the New Orleans Saints 26-23. to 23. Taysom Hill had a touchdown catch in this game. Uh, the TV broadcast, they were kind of panning um, his play, the ways he was being used in this game saying that Sean Payton was getting a little too cute and when he was inserting Taysom Hill in at quarterback etc and some of those plays I agree they were a little uh, you wonder okay what are they doing with this but he does get that touchdown pass and just an absolutely egregious no call absolutely just awful awful officiating on a pass interference that absolutely should have been called according to the NFL head of officials that Sean Payton said he spoke to Al Riverone after the game should have been a head a helmet to helmet hit as well two penalties not called the officials just swallow their whistles in just an absolutely abysmal fashion uh, it gives new life to the Los Angeles Rams they get away with it, it was the second time that Nicole Roby Coleman had gotten away with looked like a pass interference or defensive holding call in that game and in controversial fashion the Los Angeles Rams steal a Super Bowl berth from the New Orleans Saints thanks to Greg Zuerlein's 57 yard field goal in overtime just an excruciating game if you're a New Orleans Saints fan it's unfortunate I was really looking forward to potentially seeing because if if the New Orleans Saints win no matter what we're having BYU guys on both sides of the Super Bowl but as it stands now with the Los Angeles Rams advancing just uh, Kyle Van 
Van Noy will be there in that game. And we had an opportunity to have as many as three former Cougars in the Super Bowl. So just an excruciating loss if you're a New Orleans Saints fan. I know Taysom Hill said after the game it was not the result we deserved or felt we deserved, etc. And they didn't because it was an egregious no call on a pass interference. And you still have to take into effect that they might have missed a field goal or a bad snap, etc. But plain and simple, NFL officials, heads are going to roll for that game. But the Super Bowl is set. We do have one former Cougar in the game, and that'll be Kyle Van Noy with his third straight Super Bowl visit. He's won one title. Uh, the first time he went, they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles a year ago. Will the Los Angeles Rams take another Super Bowl ring out of his grasp and Tom Brady's grasp? We'll find out in two weeks. But hats off to the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Rams. To the victors go the spoils, and they will be in the biggest game of the year on Sunday, February 3rd. You'll be able to catch it on CBS and watch Kyle Van Noy playing this game. I'm expecting he'll be a big part of the game plan once again because like I said, the New England Patriots really like his ability to play in space, covering guys, but also rush the passer. And any BYU fan that watched him during his absolutely stellar career for BYU remembers what that guy can do, both on the edge and in coverage. He was a one-man wrecking crew for the Cougars, and he is doing great things in the pro ranks as well. So hats off to him. All right, there you go. Some of my thoughts on the AFC and NFC Championship games, former Cougars and the pros. Uh, good seasons. I tip of the cap real quick to Andy Reid I still feel like he's a Hall of Fame coach despite only making one Super Bowl trip in his career at this point every time he seems like gets to that that championship game he made five straight ones in Philadelphia made this one with the Kansas City Chiefs he's only made the one trip to the Super Bowl, but I still feel like he's a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, hats off to Taysom Hill for another great season. Uh, great things, I think, are expected going forward as they continue to kind of implement him into this game plan. The Saints really like him. You can tell that. Sean Payton sees him as a weapon and he's going to continue to deploy him all over the field. And then also, a hats off to Daniel Sorensen. Battling back from injury earlier on this season, came on late in the year and has really stood out And a massive game yesterday. 14 total tackles truly impressive and it looked like at times that the uh, the, the Patriots had decided, hey, Daniel Sorensen's the weak link on this defense and we're going to attack him. I felt like he held up very, very well despite the loss. All right, there you go. So, once again, some thoughts on the AFC and NFC Championship games and former Cougars in those games. We'll keep you updated on any other news as the Super Bowl approaches for Kyle Van Noy. Um, he, we're trying to get him on the radio station I work for, the Zone Sports Network, to talk about it. So if we do, I'll probably play some of those comments as well. But thanks again for joining me on on this podcast. We'll be back on the other side. Final segment of the show, catching up on the other teams in the BYU Athletic Department. A big weekend for a bunch of teams. We'll catch up on how they did over the weekend next, right here on Locked On Cougars. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Hey. 
Welcome back to Locked On Cougars, your daily source for all things BYU news, notes, and insider information you can't find anywhere else. And in the final segment of today's show, we're catching up on the weekend that was for other BYU sports teams that we haven't touched on quite yet. Let's start off with the number four ranked men's volleyball team. Had two matches Friday and Saturday in very close fashion because the game against Saint, the match against St. Francis was moved up to 9 a.m. Mountain Time due to weather concerns. But BYU Friday night got a five-set thrilling win over Penn State on Penn State's home court. 25-22, 25-27, 28-26, 19-25, 15-13. So congratulations to the men's team on that win over Penn State, who is a big player on the national scene, especially in the Big Ten. That was a big win, and then they followed it up with a straight-sets victory over an overmatched St. Francis team. 25-21, 25-15, 25-18. With the two matches taking place just 13 hours apart, impressive effort from BYU you know they're probably some tired legs with a five-set thriller, but they go out and take care of business against St. Francis. Uh, BYU 4-0 on the season now. They now have a two-week break. Kind of crazy to see a volleyball team have two weeks off, but they will have two weeks off until the beginning of February when they head to California for back-to-back matches against UC Santa Barbara on February 1st and February 2nd. Links for those stats will be able to be found on the men's volleyball schedule page. But two weeks off here. We'll keep you updated with any news that comes out about the men's volleyball team. I would expect with the new national rankings, with those wins over the weekend, that BYU could be in line to move up maybe a spot or two. I know that one um, writer had BYU ranked as high as number two in the country last week after their wins to start the season. So we'll see where they end up, but hats off to Sean Olmstead and his team with those wins over the weekend. All right, uh, moving on here, talk a little bit about the women's tennis team. They actually got a big win on the hard courts. Uh, Polina Malik, hopefully I got her name correct, clinched a 5-2 win over Weber State for the women's tennis team. It was their first dual match of the season, 1-0 and now on the year for the women's team. Um, new head coach Holly Parkinson Hasler said there were a lot of positives in today's match. It was great having Kate Cusick back playing at such a high level after being out with an injury almost all of the fall season. Our doubles chemistry is improving and I was impressed with the problem solving, mental toughness and will to win as a team today. So congratulations on the good start to the year for the women's tennis team. I know they've been t- participating in a lot of national events so good to see them start off strong the women's gymnastics team also got a big win over the weekend. They went north to face in-state rival Utah State. Uh, BYU ranked number six after their season opening loss uh, to Utah, but they went up north and absolutely dominated Utah State 194.575 to 193.950 in the D. Glenn Smith spectrum. Uh, congratulations to BYU. Their national ranking should remain intact with that win. And uh, It's kind of crazy to see BYU jump as high as that, but they had an absolute Absolutely stellar first match against Utah, uh, tallying a 196 score. Guard Young said last week's loss felt like a win, and this week's win feels like a loss. We did not do what we needed to do to be one of the top teams. The judging was very tight from the very first routine, and when the judging is like that, we have to dig down deeper and let those performances come up. I think we let that get to us a little bit. So despite the lackluster performance in their head coach's eyes, BYU still gets the win. They remain 1-1 one one on the 
year. They return to the Marriott Center this coming Friday uh, at 11 a.m. Mountain Times. They'll host Utah State in a rematch from a week ago for their annual kids meet. That meet will be broadcast live on BYU TV. You can get live stats on statbroadcast.com. So congratulations to Guard Young and his team. And then also wanted to talk a little bit about the men's and women's track and field teams. They were at the Air Force Academy over the weekend participating in an event. All-American Andrea Stapleton-Johnson set an NCAA leading mark in the high jump as multiple personal records and BYU top 10 all-time finishes contributed to BYU's strong performance at the Air Force Team Challenge at the Cadet Fieldhouse. On the first meet of the season, the men's track team finished in first place with 163 points. The women's team finished second with 111 points. I mentioned that Stapleton-Johnson, she earned the NCAA's leading mark in the women's high jump. She cleared six six feet, one and a half inches on Friday. Um, If you really think about it, six, six, one and a half, that's a full inch and a half taller than I am. And I'm a fairly average sized American male. So just cool to see her doing great things. Um, Brenna Porter had a career best time in the 400 meters with a time of 53.9 seconds. So congratulations to her. She's also an all American Clark Brown clocked at 6.76 seconds for a first place finishes in the 60 meters. So just some great showings from the men's and women's track teams. Like I said, the men's team won the event, the women's team finishing second. So good way to start the indoor season for the men's and women's teams in in full. I know they've had some of their indoor events earlier this season, but this is one of their first ones. It's a full event. They'll be on the road the next three meets beginning this Friday and Saturday, January 25th and 26th. Multiple event groups are going to New York to compete in the Dr. Sanders Invitational at the Armory Track and Field Center, and others will participate in the UW Invite in Seattle at the Dempsey Indoor Track. A lot of times with track teams, you see them split their squads and send them all over the country, so best of luck to the men's and women's track and field teams, whether they're in New York or in Washington later this weekend. All right, there you go. Some of the thoughts, some of the updates on the former, on the former, the current BYU teams and their performances over the weekend. Uh, The men's team is actually in action this morning. They had a big win over Florida Atlantic over the weekend. They're taking on UNC Wilmington today, I believe at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Actually, no, 9 a.m. Mountain Time. It's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. So hopefully they can pick up another win. I do know that the men's team has entered the national rankings. I believe they were ranked number 68. If they win again today, they should move up even. Well, they should move up even with that win over Florida Atlantic, who was 61 on Friday. But hopefully they can pick up another win and continue to move up in the national rankings. Brad Pierce's team off to a great start this season. All right, there you go. Catching up on everything going on in the BYU Athletic Department as we do on this podcast. It is your daily source for all things BYU. And a reminder, if you do have a smart speaker, all you have to do is tell it, play podcast Locked On Cougars, and you'll have this podcast right there at your figurative fingertips. You'll be able to hear everything you need to know about BYU each and every day. We'll be back tomorrow. More on BYU basketball, football, and every other sport in the BYU Athletic Department. Talking a little bit more about position previews and Reviews going to get to a lot more of those this week, and we'll keep you updated as we go along all week long right here on Locked On Cougars. Thanks again for joining me, Jay Catch, on today's podcast. Back tomorrow with the Tuesday edition of the show. This has been Locked On Cougars for January 21st, 2019.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.